Now, uh, go back to the book of Isaiah with me. This is where we left off last week. He said, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Look at what's going to happen as the result of this kind of fast. He said, your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing will spring forth speedily. Man, I like the sound of that. Healing that happens quickly. Healing that happens speedily. It's already working in the body. And because you're living a fasted lifestyle where the voice of the flesh is turned down, the voice of the spirit is turned up, and there's not a bunch of resistance to the power and the presence of God, then these miracles start popping, like popping and popping, and healing is springing forth speedily. It's not God paying you for fasting. You understand that, don't you? It's getting rid of all the junk and all the stuff and the hindrances that have been in the way of you hearing from him and receiving from him. This is powerful stuff. He said, your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing will spring forth speedily. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. The glory saying, I got your back. You go ahead. I got your back. What is that? Protection from every unseen attack. Yes. Ones you weren't expecting, ones you didn't see coming. Protection from every harmful word from somebody. Protection from every knife in the back. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Verse nine says, you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. That's a quick reply. If. That's a, this is a big if. Are you ready? If you take away the yoke from your midst. What is that yoke? The pointing of the finger. The pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. Now, when we think about fasting, immediately our first thoughts go to fasting a meal, fasting some food. And it's certainly a part of fasting to do without, to, to tell the flesh no for a minute. Uh, sometimes we think about fasting some entertainment. Maybe we're, maybe we're going to turn the television off for a while. Maybe we're not going to feed on so much entertainment for a little bit. And that's certainly part of fasting and it's a good thing to do. But this fast that you and I have set ourselves on as of last week and moving towards dedication weekend, if you want to fast a meal or two, go for it. You're not going to hurt yourself. If you want to turn the television off, turn the news off for a little bit, that's certainly not going to hurt you. But what we are fasting as a family is this right here. What is this? The pointing of the finger. What is, what's that? Your fault. You, you're wrong. You missed it. Your mistake. Finding blame. Casting shame. And along with that was the speaking of wickedness. Remember we talked last week about the mouth guard? We are on this 30-day mouth guard challenge. 
And I'm challenging every one of you to put that mouth guard in your mouth. And if you've ever worn one of those things, sometimes they fill up your whole mouth and it can be very difficult to talk with that in your mouth. And that is exactly the idea. (laughs) Set a guard over my mouth, oh Lord. Put a watch over my lips. What what does that mean? Don't let anything come out that's not supposed to be coming out. Put that guard in my mouth. So we're fasting. We are doing without the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. The King James Bible says vain speaking. It's an interesting word. If you look it up, it literally means to pant. (sighs) That heavy, out of breath exertion. But couple that with the way that King James translates it. It's all that exertion in vain. In other words, it produced nothing. A bunch of work, a bunch of spent energy that went how far? Nowhere. Nowhere. How much did it produce? Nothing. Totally vain, totally empty, totally powerless, literally wasted breath. Wasted it. Doing what? Pointing the finger, blaming somebody, criticizing, complaining, judging, is wasted breath, not producing anything. And that's the junk we're fasting. I said, that's the stuff we're getting rid of. And a lot of times you fast food, but you don't fast it forever. You do without it for a little bit. Some things you fast so that they leave your life forever. That's what we're doing here. So when I say we're fasting, critical speaking, I don't mean 28 more days till we can judge people. (laughs) Oh, can you hold out? That doesn't mean, oh, when June gets here, (laughs) you are in for it, sucker. Not right now. I'm fasting. That's not the idea. The idea is that we are crucifying this part of our flesh so that this old man, this dead man, doesn't get to talk like that anymore. Thank you, Father. Go to the book of Psalms with me. Psalm 106. Let's talk a little bit more about this. I know how excited you've got to be to hear more about this. But I believe if you and I will get a hold of this today, there's life-changing stuff in here. There's, there's truth and revelation that will heal us and save us. Glory to God. Psalm 106, virtually this entire psalm is the recounting of the story of the children of Israel, what God, for did, what God did for them when they were in Egypt and how he rescued them and how he pulled them out of slavery and delivered them, how he brought them across the Red Sea. All these amazing, wonderful, miraculous things he did for him. And then their horrible response to all of it. And you see that here in verse 24. After God had talked to him about the land that he was bringing him into. Listen to what it says. Psalm 106, 24. It says, they despised the pleasant land. They despised it. If you honor him, he'll honor you. But if you despise him you'll be lightly esteemed. How did they despise the pleasant land? They didn't believe his word. God had told these people from the time they were in Egypt, 
I'm bringing you out. And that was the whole word. That was the whole message. He sent, somebody say sent. sent. It's important for today. He sent Moses with this word right here. Let my people go. And then the word to the nation of Israel was, he's bringing you out. God told him, you tell them, I'm bringing them out. I'm bringing them out. And then when he went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, God said so. And Pharaoh said, who's God? And he turned around. Not only did he not let them go, he made their work harder. He made their, their slavery uh, more cruel. And after Moses had said, hey, God sent me with the word, people, he bring, he's bringing you out. All the people worshiped and they praised. But when then on Monday, when Pharaoh said, no, you can't go, all these same people who were just worshiping were so mad at Moses. They, they said, why have you made it harder? And Moses said, I don't know. Let me go ask. So he went back and asked God, was like, what's the deal? I said, let him go. He didn't let him go. And God said to him, hmm, let me tell you, go with this word. I'm bringing you out. He didn't change the word. The word was the same from the beginning. No matter what it looked like, no matter how long it took, the word was the same. I'm bringing you out. And every, talk, every time he talked to him about bringing him out, he talked to them at the same time about what he would bring them into. I'm bringing you out of this that I might bring you into that. I'm bringing you out of slavery that I might bring you into freedom. I'm bringing you out of this land and bringing you into this land that flows with milk and honey. And he kept talking to him over and over. It's a good land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a prosperous land. I picked it out for you. It's yours. I've given it to you. But this scripture we looked at in Psalm 106 says they despised him, not believing that word. So when they got closer to it and Moses sent the spies into the land, we'll read about it here in a minute. But you remember they came back and they said, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice for sure. I mean, it flows with milk and honey, uh, but we can't take that land. There's no way. Why not? There's really tall people there. No, you're not listening. Really tall. And the walls are really tall. And they cried all night long. Why? Because the people were tall. And the walls were tall. And they were afraid. They believed something else. Other than what God had told them about the land. They despised the land. Not believing the word. But look at what else it says in the next verse. Verse 25. They complained. Uh-oh. They complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. They complained in their tents. The King James Bible says they murmured. Say that word with me. Murmured. Say it like that. Murmured. Murmured is one of those words that sounds like what it does. Murmured. Grumbling. That's literally what the word means. I mean, by, by definition, this is what, uh, what it means to, to murmur. To grumble. To complain about something in a bad-tempered, rebellious way, sullenly, with a discontent or critical attitude. Now, this is all the junk we're fasting. 
But it literally means to make a low rumbling sound. The word itself sounds like what it is and what it does. And this is what these people were doing in their tent. Listen to a few of these verses and you tell me if you think maybe these people had a problem. Exodus 15, 24 says, the, pe the people complained or murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Exodus 16, 2 says, the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Exodus 17, 3, the people thirsted for water and the people complained against Moses and said, why is it you brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Or excuse me, number 1641, on the next day, all the congregation of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. And this isn't even all of them. It goes on verse after verse after verse. The people complained against Moses. They complained against Moses. They complained about the food. They complained about the water. They complained about the desert. And over and over again, they would say, man, we should go back to Egypt. Seriously? They would sit there and talk about how great it was in Egypt. All the food they had to eat in Egypt. They would talk about all the different things they would eat. We should find us a leader and go back. What's this? Complaining, complaining, complaining. It's just like you want to stand there and go, you were slaves. They were killing you. And you want to go back to that? Complaining. Complaining, complaining. Now, all this started with the despising that was going on in the heart. Where there's a lack of honor, where there's despising in the heart, what's coming out of the mouth? Murmur, murmur, murmur. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Now, I don't even have to take a survey, and I'm not asking for hands, but who in here has complained? before. I said, I'm not asking for hands. <laughs> You've griped about something. You've grumbled about something. Yeah, we've done it. What's funny to me is everybody's looking for what we call now a safe place. It's okay. This is a safe place. It's a safe place for just say it. Whatever you're thinking, you can say it. Why? It's a safe place. This is it. What's that mean? It means there's not going to be any judgment. It means I'm not going to say anything. I want to be a safe place. Man, that sounds good, doesn't it? And this is where these people were. Complaining, murmuring, where? In the tent. It's okay. It's a safe place. It's, this is our house. This is where we live. It's a safe place. If, do you need to vent? You need to vent, don't you? Go ahead, vent. Can I just vent? Can I just, please just let me vent? Yeah, why? It's a safe place. <laughs> and you would think that the tent would be the place to vent. <laughs> and that it would be a safe place to vent. But guess what? It wasn't. <laughs> Anybody ever pocket dialed you before? Yes. I got one not long ago from a family member. I won't say who. And I said, hello, and they, they weren't there talking to me, but I could hear them talking. And I heard a little bit of the conversation, and they were in conversation with a store worker who was demanding them to put their mask on. 
And I could hear this family member saying, my governor doesn't want me to wear the mask. My doctor doesn't want me to wear the mask. I don't want to wear the mask. And the other guy was like, I don't want you to have to, but they make it. And I heard, overheard the whole conversation. Pocket dialing. I don't know if this has ever happened to you before on one end or the other, but have you ever accidentally pocket dialed somebody who you were also happened to be talking about at that moment? Have you ever been pocket dialed by somebody who happened to be talking about you at that moment? It doesn't happen a lot, but man, when it does. And you, you were talking to somebody and you thought, this is my safe place. I'm going to vent in the tent where nobody can hear me. What these people didn't know was that while they were venting in the tenting, <laughs> They had pocket dialed God and he heard every word. He did. The Bible tells us he did. I'll prove it to you. In the book of Numbers, go back there. Look at this with me. In Numbers 11... Thank you, Lord. It says in verse one, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord for the Lord heard it and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Now we're talking about the fire of God, but you do not want this side of the fire. <laughs> Evidently, the tent was not a safe place. The tent was not the place where you could just vent. What am I telling you today? Don't vent in the tent. What I'm trying to say to you is that there is no place where you can go where he doesn't hear. Man, wouldn't that change some of our conversation? If just before we said something, we looked over and Jesus was like, hey, what's up? And we realized... Oh, he's in the room. And your wife was like, what were you going to say? And you're like, nothing. Not one thing. Man, just before you were about to let it out and you're like coming home from work and you've just had it with your boss and your supervisor coming home from church, you've had it with your pastor and you come in and you say, that is it. I just got a vent. And you look over and God's like, hey. Then you're like, Hey. And your husband says, what were you going to say? Nothing. Come on, no, it's a safe place. No, it's not. It is not a safe place. There is no place safe where he doesn't hear it. But right on the other side of that, you don't need to be a safe place for somebody just to unload all their stuff and all their complaining, and all their judging, and all their criticizing. And the thing we have to watch out for is letting that kind of stroke the ego a little bit, give you the big head that people confide in me. Sweetheart, you're a trash can. And people are just dumping all kinds of trash. And you're going, bring it on, pile it on me, because you're a safe place. He heard it. 
The Lord heard it. It gets worse. Go to the book of Exodus. <laughs> Go to Exodus 16. In Exodus 16, verse 2, it says the whole congregation. Isn't it interesting that they call the nation of Israel a congregation? Food for thought. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. But they were in the tent, so it's fine, right? You got to have people that you can just flesh out with, don't you? Right? I mean, you have to have people and you're like, come on, we got to be a safe place for each other just to complain and to murmur and to grumble about the people God put in our lives. You need a safe place for that? Sorry, there's not one. There's not one. The whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat. That sounds good. When we ate bread to the full. For you've brought us out in the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'll rain bread from heaven for you. He said, look, I'm going to give this to you, but look at verse seven. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. Why? For he hears your complaints against the Lord. But Moses said, what are we that you complain against us? Did you hear that? He hears your complaints against who? The Lord. Now all the people are like, no, we're not complaining against the Lord. We're complaining against you. And Moses said, what are we? You think you have a problem with my leadership, but it's not me you have a problem with, he said. Your problem's with God. The Lord heard it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Moses said in verse 8, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, in the morning, bread to the full, for the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. He said, What are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Moses spoke to Aaron, say to the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord. Why? He's heard your complaint. So I guess venting in the tent wasn't as safe as they thought it would be. There's something you and I need to understand and realize when we're complaining, particularly against somebody that God may have put in a place, somebody that God may have sent. When we complain or when we criticize or when we find fault with them, be careful. Number one, whoever it is you're grumbling to is not the only one hearing it. He is. But what makes it worse is he takes it personally. If we want to see more of the fire and the glory, the power and the presence of God on display in our lives, then we're going to have to be a grateful, thankful people. And that means no complaints. 
That means living every day without finding something to complain about. And I know there's stuff, but listen, there's so much more to be thankful for. And we want to hear what God's doing in your life. We've got an email address. I'm going to put it on your screen right now. It's a glory story at legacychurch.family. What's a glory story? It's your opportunity to not complain, but be thankful. To say out loud, God, thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for answering this prayer. Thank you for healing my body. Thank you for saving my family. Thank you for providing for us so faithfully. We want to hear about that. Number one, we want to rejoice with you. But number two, this is your opportunity, like I said, to give thanks. And when you give thanks instead of complaining, it opens up the door to more of the glory of God in your life. So share your glory story with us. Let us rejoice with you. And let Let what our good God has done in your life inspire somebody else to believe him for the same thing in theirs. We love you. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on Legacy TV. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.